right. Well, we have moved to our next series of uh, classes, which is Evangelism Basics. We're going to take six six weeks to go through uh, this little um, booklet called uh, Two Ways to Live. And we're going to try to just take one week for each each main section or each page. And um, so uh, I'll talk to you about why we're using this. But, but, the, but the point is that we want to be able to help solidify the content of the gospel, which I think this, this very, uh, very does a good job of, of summarizing. And then it also helps us to know how we can help share the gospel with other people. And here's just a simple way where we can just take them through a book and as we come to understand and learn this book, we can we don't have to have the book in front of us. You know, we can we can have the verses memorized and be able to um, be able to walk somebody through the gospel very simply. All right, so let's begin with the word of prayer, and then we'll get into the material today. Let's pray. Father, we do want to express our love for you as we have already in song and we want to say uh, how much we appreciate what you have done for us and we want to express that in our obedience to you and in faith uh, being confident that you are and that you are a rewarder of those who seek you and Lord we seek you today so please respond to us with mercy and grace and fill us up with your word and and with a heart that loves you, and we pray that that uh, the pattern of our life would be one of thanksgiving and day-to-day worship. We pray in Jesus' name, Amen. All right, let's start with some introductory um, thoughts here. Everyone who is a Christian came to be a Christian because they heard the gospel. You're a Christian today. You know Christ and are a believer because you have heard the gospel. So, for example, for me, it was my parents who who showed me the gospel and and the church that they took me to. I, I was able to hear the gospel on multiple levels um, before I came to Christ, and so um, so it had it had to be a message that was given through a person. How about you? How, maybe someone else want to share how what what person was it that that you heard the gospel from? Phil? until, what, 30 years later? Yeah. So so the gospel was explained to him as a, as a young boy or as a teenager, but then, but then it didn't take root. The point is, we could go through every single person in this room who's a Christian and say, okay, so how did, how did you come to understand the gospel? And it would, it would be that some specific person told you, or maybe a group of people, had, had, um, had shared the gospel with you. Could have been a family member, could have been a friend, could have been a complete stranger, but whatever the case is, 
Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. We have to actually hear the message of the Gospel if we're going to accept it. And the same thing is true if someone else is going to come to Christ, that they have to hear the Gospel from someone like us. And so the primary goal of this class is to equip us to share the Gospel with others. So that's what we're going to do for the next six weeks. So let's talk about what evangelism is and what evangelism is not. First, what evangelism is. Um, I think I have a quotation from you, or, or uh, a summary there for you. Uh, it is to present a specific message to a specific people in the power of the Spirit with a specific purpose. Now, it's not just any message. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ, and it's not just to any people, but lost people. And and it's not um, it's not just with any purpose, but with the purpose to see people come to Christ. So we have an aim that they actually come to Christ. We want to share the gospel with them so that they hear the message and 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 prayerfully, um, providentially, that they will come to saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We are like the farmer in Mark chapter 4 who sows the seed, right? Our job is to proclaim the message. We spread the seed wherever we can. And some of it's going to fall on the hard, packed down road and and the birds are going to come and pick it up. You know, that, in that case, that's Satan coming to pick it up and, and not allowing it to take root. But in other cases, there will be people who hear it and respond with joy, right? Now, some of those people won't last long, sadly, because they are too compelled by the, the riches of this world and the, the lust of the flesh and so on. But then there will be others who actually, where we spread the seed, um, that, that, that there will be fruit that comes up. And the point is that we can't force... We can't force that seed to take root and to sprout into fruit. We can't force any of that. But what we can do is we can be the seed spreaders. And that's what we want to do. We want to be able to spread the seed wherever we go, to whomever we go, uh, to whomever we know, and, and allow them to be able to have an opportunity to respond to the gospel. So evangelism is a specific message, the gospel of Jesus Christ, to a specific piece people, the lost men and women, and then in the power of the Spirit with a specific aim to see them come to Christ have on your sheet already, so evangel- what evangelism is not. Here are some things that could be confused with evangelism. A personal testimony. Okay, Your personal testimony is not evangelism. If your personal testimony doesn't talk about um, the gospel of Jesus Christ, if it doesn't talk about the tenets of the gospel, which we'll get to throughout this class, but um, if it if it doesn't, it, it may say that yes, I came out of sin and into and into salvation, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's the gospel. Okay, saying that you have been changed is not the gospel. That's just a, an anecdote or a story of of what God has done. That may be part of your gospel presentation. So don't 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 uh, hear me say that that you should never give your testimony. But but my point is is that if you just give your testimony, you haven't necessarily given the gospel. Uh, apologetics. That is uh, defending the faith, maybe defending a specific uh, doctrine that's not in itself the gospel. Judging or shaming is not the gospel. Excuse me. Helping the poor, doing good work for others, raising good children. Those are all not the gospel. That's not evangelism. That's part of the fruit of the gospel. Okay, so there's a difference. Those might be implications of what the gospel does. It causes me to be a better parent, right? It causes me to have a personal testimony. It causes me to want to help the poor, to actually have eyes to see and, 
and to want to help their needs. Okay, so those are fruits, but those are not the source of it. Uh, the gospel or, or evangelism is the word evangelism means to proclaim. It's it's proclaim the message of truth. And um, so so our lives need to reflect that, but but also our message needs to include the tenets of the gospel. All right. So who is who is called to evangelize? Um, who should evangelize? Very simply, it is every Christian. Okay, every Christian is called to evangelize. Turn to Matthew 28. With me, Matthew 28. Here, Jesus is at the end of his ministry here on the earth, and he gives some instructions to the disciples. Matthew 28, verse 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So here, Jesus is saying, all authority has been given to me. I have authority over every square inch of this universe. And so now you go into some of those places that I have authority over and, and make disciples in those places in which you live. And, and we often hear this as a missions text, but, but we should see this as a, an evangelism text as well because we have a responsibility that, God, that Christ has passed down to us to be able to, to, be able to pass on the gospel to other people. Now the main command here in verse 19, that, that first phrase there, go or first command, go therefore, is actually um, not the main command. It's, it's, it's as you are going or as part of your life, that's the idea of that. The main command is make disciples. And so the make disciples part can't happen, and here's what I would say by implication, it cannot happen apart from our evangelism. We can't make disciples of unbelievers unless they're first converted, right? But but there's no command here to convert people. We, we simply need to take the gospel to them. So as you're going, make sure that they understand the gospel, and, and God's going to do the work of bringing them to salvation, and then you do the work, you know, to, to make disciples and baptize them. Now turn to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. Here we see the church in Acts doing the very thing that Jesus called his disciples to do. He says in Matthew 28, go and make disciples of all nations. And then what do we see happen when persecution starts to come? The church, not not the leaders only, but the church as a whole is actually spreading the gospel. Notice this pattern here um, that should be uh, something that we emulate here. Acts 8 verse 1, Saul was in hearty agreement with putting him to death. That is Stephen. And on that day, a great persecution began against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Some devout men buried Stephen and made loud lamentation over him, but Saul began ravaging the church, entering house after house and dragging off men and women. 
who had put them in prison. Therefore, those who had been scattered went about preaching the word. Notice it doesn't say those leaders who had been scattered. Okay, the, the idea of preaching here can also mean proclaiming. So this is talking about not getting up in front of a pulpit and, and being able to explain the gospel. That's part of the responsibility of, of some people that God has called. But, but it's the responsibility, I think, of everyone to follow this pattern of wherever you go, that you need to be proclaiming the gospel. This is what the believers did in the early church. And it should be no surprise that the church grew so quickly, right? Um, Acts, Acts 2 and Acts 5, you have the church in Jerusalem being 3,000 and 5,000, and then, and then uh, it, it spread out geographically from there. And, uh, and so this is something that we can give our lives to. It doesn't mean you have to make this your full-time job, but, but it should be part of your responsibility, part of your calling. You know, that, that you are called to serve God, and part of the way that you serve God is by speaking on behalf of Christ. And I hope that God's Spirit will, through this class, give you the knowledge and courage to do so in the relationships that you have and the relationships that you make. One of the best stories about someone resigning their lives to proclaiming the gospel is John Patton. <clears throat> Not our missionary, but the missionary from the 1800s. He was a missionary to the New Hebrides, and when he was getting ready to go over there from Scotland, some men were trying to deter him. And one man named Mr. Dixon exploded saying, but, but the cannibals, all the cannibals are going to eat you. And to this, Patton responded, Mr. Dixon, you are advanced in years now. In other words, you're an old man. You're about to die. And you're, you yourself have an, your own prospect that you're soon to be laid in the grave, and therefore you will be eaten by worms. And I confess to you that if I can but live and die serving and honoring the Lord Jesus, it will make no difference to me whether I am eaten by cannibals or by worms. But rather, in the great day, my, resurre my resurrection body will arise as fair as yours in the likeness of our risen Redeemer. And that's the type of attitude that we need to have when we think about evangelism. Because we only have one life. And whether we die because we've stood up for the sake of Christ or whether we die because of old age, and, and that doesn't mean we didn't stand up for Christ, but, but however we die, it doesn't, that doesn't matter as much as what we actually did with our life, right? And, and what Patton um, teaches us by his example is that it is worthwhile to, to, uh, to, to spread the gospel no matter what the cost. All right, any questions on that so far? Still in the introduction part. We're going to get into the, into the booklet here in just a second. All right, so what is successful evangelism? So since we're called to evangelize, we must know something about whether we're doing the right thing or not. We, have, we must be, have a way that we can measure successful evangelism. So for some, evangelism is successful if you convert a person. Right, if you can get them to walk down an aisle or repeat a prayer after you. But but is that really what we're after? Is that really what God has called us to do? To make them to force them into making a decision? I would suggest to you on the basis of the Bible, no, that is not our purpose. Okay, our purpose is to be faithful in what we explain with a desire that they con are converted. But remember, we're we're not like the best salesmen in the world. 
Okay, even if he had the best salesman that became an evangelist, he wouldn't be able to close the deal when it comes to saving faith, right? Because God has to do that work. It's God that has to change the heart. Now, we want to cultivate the soil. We want to, to soften the hearts any way we can. But, but ultimately, it's God's work that actually brings life to that person. And so um, we need to recognize that, that the main goal in successful evangelism is not conversion. Uh, but rather, that is certainly a de- desire. But, but instead, successful evangelism can be broken down in three ways. Let me see if I have these. Okay, first... Presenting the gospel accurately. Presenting the gospel accurately. So, here's how you can measure if you are being successful in your responsibility to spread the gospel. Are you presenting the gospel accurately? In other words, are your words true, or do you water them down in order for people to to be more um, uh, attracted to the message? You know, if your goal is to, to... to have the conversion, to force the conversion, then you're going to be willing to compromise the gospel in order to get there. And there's all sorts of uh, churches and ministries that, that do that kind of thing in order to try to force that decision to be made. And, and what I hope that this series will do for you is impress upon you uh, a better understanding of why each truth in the gospel is important to the, the message of the whole, that we need to understand the parts because the parts make up the whole. And so present the gospel of Jesus Christ accurately. Secondly, we need to present the gospel to the lost. So present the gospel accurately and present it to the lost people. So are you sharing the gospel with lost people? Which non-Christians in your life have never heard the gospel from you? Who are you praying for about... that you can share the gospel with? What specific names do you pray for on a regular basis, maybe even a daily basis, for them to, to, to hear and respond to the gospel? In other words, are you making the most of all of the circle, circles of influence that you have right now, whether that be you know, your, your family or extended family, your work relationships, or the people with whom you come in contact? Um make the most of every opportunity. And and I think we can all uh, improve in this area. We all have kind of that, that conscience, that, that, that sense of um, weight that we need to share the gospel more and we don't do it enough. And, and so let's think uh, just briefly, what are some reasons why we don't share the gospel? Okay, maybe not you. Let's just talk about your friend or some other. Why doesn't someone else share the gospel? Yes. Okay. Fear of rejection. Anything else? Bill? Okay. Hmm. Mike, did you have another one to add? Okay. Yeah, like I don't know the whole message. I might mess something up. I might lead them astray, and, and so there's that thought as well. Uh, maybe it's because we're too busy, or maybe, I think, maybe in our kinds of circles, one of our challenges is that, that we don't know any non-Christians. You know, some, some of us have families that are all Christian. My whole family and my extended family are all Christians. Okay, so I don't have people that I meet. Um, I have a 
I have one, I guess I have one extended family member that's not a believer out of 50, you know. Um, so so I, I hardly see people that, that are non-Christians. And then what happens? I, I work in a place, you know, that's, that's filled up primarily with Christians. But, but what about um, other relationships that you might have at work or, you know, in your neighborhood or, you know, everybody has to go to the, the dentist or the, the doctors or, or the grocery store? What, what kind of opportunities are we using there? All right, so there's lots that, that we can think about there. Um, we, we, I didn't intend to take too much time on that, but just want to recognize that, that the point is, is if we're going to be faithful in sharing the gospel, we need to present the gospel accurately. It needs to be to the lost. And then thirdly, it needs to be in the power of the Holy Spirit. So we could just say relying on God through prayer or relying on the, the Holy Spirit because only God is the one who can perform the miraculous work, just like with the seed, right? The farmer can't force fruit to come out. He can't just pull it out of the plant, can he? He can't throw the seed in the ground and then force you know, it to sprout. No, but he can cultivate it, and that's what we're doing. So we throw the seed, we cultivate it, make sure it's got plenty of light and water, and that, that it's free from weeds, and that, it, and that God, then God, if he so chooses, will bring about the fruit, right? That's the same thing that happens in the gospel. We need to rely on the Holy Spirit to, to produce this work. Um, we can get them to repeat something after us, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to make it to heaven. Right? If we get them to repeat a phrase after us, that doesn't mean they're going to heaven. You know why I know that? Because Jesus says, Many of you will say in that day, Lord, Lord, did I not do all these things in your name? And he will say, I don't know you. And, and so it's not about just getting them to do external things. It's about their heart. The only way that you actually really followed God is when your heart was changed. So prayer is the way that this happens. We need to base, basically bathe all of our evangelism in prayer. Pray that God will give us open doors and that He will soften hearts. And when we pray, it actually reminds us that it's actually God who brings about the growth. God who brings the victory. God who brings the, evangel- the, um, the salvation. God gets the glory when we pray, when we rely on the Holy Spirit. Um, so let me just give you a simple formula that goes along with these three things that I've heard from a, one of these videos here, Dispatches from the Front. Um, Tim Cassie was over in, I think it was Albania. And he went to talk to a missionary named David Hasafluke. David Hasafluke said that his his pattern for evangelism and reaching people is very simple. It is pray, meet people, and tell them about Jesus. And repeat until all the world has heard. Okay, so that is what we're talking about here. It's kind of in reverse order. but But he says pray. That's the third one. Rely on the Holy Spirit. Meet people. You've got to meet the lost. And then tell them about Jesus. You need to accurately explain what's so special about the gospel. And just keep doing that until all the world is heard. That is faithful evangelism. Whether or not God brings in converts, you know, that's up to Him. That's His prerogative. But, but our job is to pray, to meet people, and tell them about Jesus. And if you can just think of those three as you're going through life, then, then you will you would do well. 
All right. Enough of the intro. Let's move on to page one of Two Ways to Live. So my goal for this class is that you will be able to clearly articulate, with or without this book, the gospel of Jesus Christ that you've come to love. And so we're going to start right at the beginning with where you can start with every single person, which is God. That God exists and He has a resp- He has He has rule over us. We have a responsibility to Him. Now, let me just be clear that this is not what I'm saying. You have to use in order to explain the gospel to somebody. You don't have to use this two ways to live booklet. Okay, you could use the Gospel of Mark, or you could go through Romans with somebody. You could use another track. There's lots of good tracks. But but what I'm suggesting to you is that that here's a good just structure foundation to help us think in in um in, in some basic summarized forms. Alright, so first, we start with, if we're going to explain the gospel, the people need to understand, the lost need to understand about God. They need to understand something about God. And specifically, I think we need to understand two things about God. That He is the Creator and that He is the loving ruler. So you, you can look at the bottom of this per- first page, this green page here. Revelation 4.1. Someone read that for us. Someone with good eyes. Read that fine print. Okay. So so here we, we learn a few things or are reminded of a few things that we should already know about God. And when I say we, I'm saying all humanity, all mankind should already know that God is the creator and that God is the ruler over all. And, and so we're just simply reminding of them of that by showing them a clear text that, that shows that. Now, the reason we start with God, I, I kind of skipped over this part, but the reason we start with God in our presentation of the gospel, several reasons, but one is because a person can't know about the glory of Jesus Christ unless they know about their sin. Okay? And they can't know about their sin properly unless they understand it in terms of what it means to their relationship with God, right? So that's where we start with God. The second reason we start with God is because that's what the apostles often did. And we're gonna, I think we're going to look at an example of, of, um, of Paul in Acts 17 later, but that's how he starts with, with a pagan group of people. He basically says, you know, th- this, this, uh, this idol that you have to the unknown God, you, do you recognize there actually is a real God and that you don't know him? And, and, um, and so he starts with God to a pagan culture. So this is, this is not easy, right? Because if we think about it, trying to explain to an unbeliever who God is, it's not a simple task. And the reason for that is because God is incomprehensible in the fullest sense. We can't know Him completely. We can't know every single thing about God because God is, what? Infinite. And we are finite. That is, we have a limit to how we can think about God. And, and, and if you look through the Scriptures, God has just dozens of names that are given to Him. Why? Well, because He can't be confined to one single name. He's just so... Um, he's so vast and, and amazing. And so we, we start with God. Now, what if someone asked us, well, what is God like? Who is this God that you're talking about? This is how I would explain it 
and the way that this this um, booklet does, and that is that God is the creator of all things, and He's the loving ruler. Okay, so the first, God is the creator of all. And, and if you're um, if you're into more visual type things, this is one of the other helps that this book gives. Is it just has some really simple um, drawings that you can use, and and even a a terrible artist like me could could use this on a napkin or something at a at a restaurant. Whatever the case, you can just say, okay, here's here's the deal. God is the creator of all. And that means that he rules over all. That God is both creator and ruler. Do you see that in Revelation 4:11? It says, "You are worthy our God to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things." So the creation part is in the second part of the verse. The ruling part is in the first part of the verse. God is the creator of all things, and He is the loving ruler. That, that everything that has its existence comes from God. All life derives its life from the one who is life. All life derives itself from God. God derives His life from no one because He is life. So we want to begin with this idea that God is the creator. That we exist to praise the glory of God, not our own. You see, if we start with man, we start with ourselves and say, okay, what are all the problems that you have in life? Let me see if I can talk to you about something, this gospel that I have. Let me see if this gospel can help fix some of your problems in life. If we start there, we've missed the point. Because the gospel is not about man. The gospel is about God. And so we need to begin with, with God. And, and this is increasingly hard in an individualistic, self-centered world. And, and we need to recover this basic premise that God is, that He is the Creator and He is the loving ruler overall. All right, so let's take a look at each of these here in turn. And we'll um, look up some texts of Scripture. Can I have some volunteers to read us? Uh, several of these verses here, right there in your handout. Is that a hand, Jonathan? Uh, how about uh, Genesis 1-1? Mike, Psalm 92. Evan, John 1-3. Greta, Colossians 1-16. Bill, Job 12-10. Margaret, Proverbs 21-1. And then everybody else can turn to Acts 17. So God created everything. God alone is eternal. And so while there once was a time when we didn't exist, there has never been a time when God didn't exist. God has always existed. He has no beginning and no end. No one made God. He is independent of all things. Instead, all things are dependent upon Him. And so listen to Genesis 1.1. All right, so here, here's how it all started. It doesn't say, you know, um, anything about uh, um, some, some uh, random acts that have taken place that, that, that kind of led to what is. No, it's, it's God existed, and then the world existed, or the universe existed. Why? Because God is the one who created the world. Psalm 92. 
before everything existence existed, you were there, God. You existed eternally. John 1, 3 is actually talking about Christ's work in creation, but obviously Christ is God, so so we can still say that God is is the reference here in this verse. John 1, 3. So all things came into being through Christ, the Son of God, and apart from Him, nothing came into being. So that's a good verse just to show, listen, God is the Creator. You you might buy into this um, this philosophy of evolution and all that, but, but what the Bible tells, what God tells us, is that nothing came into existence apart from God. Colossians 1.16 also referring to Christ, the Son of God. So all things have been created through Him and for Him. It goes along with Romans 11.36, talking about God the Father, that from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To Him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. So so God is glorified, uh, or God is the Creator, and, and we glorify Him in our presentation of the Gospel by making sure that, that the person understands that. Secondly, God is ruler over all. Since God created everything without without any aid or counsel, He is the rightful ruler over all, right? You, you make something, you put it into to motion, you own that, you are the ruler of it. Listen to Job 12.10. Okay, talking about God here. In God's hand is the life of every single thing. So it's not surprising that... God brought all things into being and He rules over all those things. Proverbs 21.1 Okay, so even the kings. This doesn't stipulate between wicked and, and godly kings, right? Just the king part. All of the leaders of all the world of all time have always been ruled by God. God made them and he has rightful ruler or, or rule over them. Okay, Acts 17. Everyone else should be there. And here's uh, Paul's sermon or explanation of the gospel to the pagans at Mars Hill. And verse 25 says about God, Nor is God served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all people life and breath and all things. So he created them, but he also... He, he sustains them by giving them life and breath and all things. He provides for them. Verse 26, And He made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and boundaries of their habitation, that they would seek God, if perhaps they might grope for Him and find Him, though He is not far from each one of us. For in Him we live and move and exist, as even some of your own poets have said, for we also are His children. So every single thing that exists was created by God and everything that exists is under God's rule. Every human is under God's rule. Every nation, every king is under God's rule. And so that's why we begin with God. This is something that has to be at the base, the foundation, because if people don't understand, if the lost do not understand that God is the creator and the ruler over all things, they cannot understand why it's so offensive that they've sinned against this God, right? 
They can't understand why they need this Savior. What do they need to be saved from? Well, we're going to talk about that here in the weeks ahead. But, but the, the answer is they need to be saved from God's wrath because we in our sin have turned away from God. And, and we deserve His just and final wrath, and yet God has provided a way. All right. So if we begin with God, where do we come in? When do we start talking about our situation? Well, we come into, into the picture the same place that, that uh, Adam and Eve came into the picture, at creation. God created us. Genesis 1, 27 and 28 says, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created man. Uh, male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So we can't understand our relationship to God. We can't understand our relationship to the earth, really, apart from understanding that God created us and He created us to to have us to rule over His creation. And so God is the rightful ruler and authority over everything He creates. Now, I know that most of us don't want, like to be told what to do. It can sometimes get under our skin when, when someone tries to direct us in a certain way. But God, do you realize, and, and they need to realize, the unbelievers, that God has the right to do that because He, he owns them. He created them. He has a claim on every single individual's life. And so He calls us to live under His rule. And so that's where that, that person is on the picture. So if you want to do this in stages, what you do is you start with the crown. God is the ruler over all things because He's created it. Then you put in, then you put in the world because that's what He created. And then as part of the world, we are part of it. That's where the, the little man comes in. There And that shows that, that we have responsibility underneath the authority of God. God is the rightful ruler over all the world, and we're a part of that world, so He's the rightful, rightful ruler over us. Now, the good thing is that God is not a cruel or a harsh ruler. He's a loving and kind ruler, and that's why I, I say it in those two ways. God is the Creator, but He's also a loving ruler. Because We, we know that because the very first time that someone defied Him, God did not wipe them out completely. Instead, He, he, he um, actually gave them a, a really generous promise that through you, even though you've sinned against me, through one of your children, all of the nation... Oh, that's, that's the promise to Abraham. That'll be later. But, but through you, through one of your children, through your seed, Eve, you're going to crush the head of the, this one who's, who's actually brought about this sin or, or actually tempted you in this way, the head of the serpent. And so we see that God is not just a ruler who, who likes to be arbitrarily mean or anything like that, but rather He's a loving ruler who gives people opportunity to return to Him. And, and living under God's loving rule is much better than living under our rule. And that's what we're going to see here in, in this thing. And, and what I'd recommend for you this week is just to read through this, and we'll, we'll take one page at a time as we work through this class. But... But I find this uh, booklet to be extremely helpful. And along with that, I also want to recommend, or see, it's already, I guess it, you have to look on your, on the back of your handout. I think I have it on the back of the handout. 
So read through that. And then familiarize yourself with page one to what we just looked at. Make sure you understand the main points there. God is a loving ruler over the world. He made the world. We are part of that world. We, we deserve to be under his control. He has the right to rule over us. And then I would encourage you to memorize Revelation 4.11. So you can memorize it from the translation here right in the booklet. This I'm not sure if it's ESV or what. but, but Or you can use it in your own Bible or whichever Bible um, whichever Bible you feel more, most comfortable with, memorize Revelation 4.11. And the benefit of that is that now you have a foundation, the foundation that everyone needs to hear when they hear about the gospel. You have a verse that you can help so that when this is, you know, at home or still in the rack out here, you know, you don't have something like, well, I can't give them the gospel, I guess. So we're trying to trying to pack God's word into our minds and, and think about that way. Let me just recommend a few books for you, and then we'll be dismissed. All right. First, uh, Evangelism and the Sovereignty of God. This was on the recommended books of the month several months ago, and some of you received this. This is the best treatment that I've seen on our responsibility to give the gospel along with God's rule over all things. If God rules over all things, he's already got everything planned out, then why evangelize? Well, Packer helps answer a lot of those questions. Um, along with that is another book that's very similar, uh, Mark Dever's The Gospel and Personal Evangelism, which is the book of the month from last month. And those of you who ordered this, it'll be in tomorrow. So I'll make sure you have it on Wednesday or or, um, or Sunday if I don't see it until then. All right, so that's another good one, Gospel and Personal Evangelism. These are all in your handout, by the way. And then Evangelism, just a nice short book that you can read in a few hours by J. Max Piles. And um, he just kind of helps go through some of the same things that we're going to be going through in this six-week class. And then if you want something a little bit more detailed, this is more like a theology of evangelism. This takes you through the scriptures in a more detailed way. This is Will Metzger's uh, Tell the Truth. Uh, this one, it takes it's a lot smaller print, and it's a lot more pages. So you have to um, just take it in smaller chunks and make sure you're not reading it next to an open flame. All right. Or really late at night. All right. Any questions on two ways to live? Any questions on evangelism? What we talked about tonight or this morning? All right. Well, let's pray. And we'll continue our study next week. Let's pray. Father, we um, are so thankful that Jesus Christ is powerful to save through his shed blood that was offered for us and for the whole world. And, and Lord, we're thankful that he has the rightful claim based on the authority that you've given him over heaven and earth. And so no matter where we go, uh, we, we go into a corner of the earth in which he has rule. And so we can share this gospel and call to our, our uh, spiritual walkie-talkie, so to speak, and, and enlist help from you, our commander, in this this battle in which we face, which is to fight against the sin of this world by drawing out people from the, the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of your beloved Son. Lord, may you use us as instruments in your hand to reach people for the sake of your glory, we pray in Jesus.